everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mindset to Mastery, the podcast. And I am your host, Keisha A. Rivers, President and Chief Outcome Facilitator of the Cars Group, where we facilitate outcomes by equipping people to embrace and manage change. And I'm excited because I have, um, who is now becoming my best bud, <laughs> Jerry <laughs> Carroll back. And we had an awesome time last time talking about um, the importance of storytelling and, 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 and all of that. And so I had to have him come back to give us some specifics on how to actually share your voice. And so welcome, Jared. Thank you for coming back so soon. <laughs> yeah, thank you, my new best friend. <laughs> no, it's, it's great. No, I, I love the first time and I'm really looking forward to, to this one and kind of, I think, expounding on what we talked about last time. And, and as you said, kind of codifying a little bit and giving a little structure that people can at least think about um, to start sharing their voice. Yeah, and, and it's and especially in, you know, this day and age where when, you know, while we're recording this, of course, we're going through COVID-19, the pandemic, and we are also um, still kind of reeling in the U.S. from, um, you know, Black Lives Matter protests that are still going on. There's still a lot of um, increased dialogue around systemic racism, discrimination, what diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging actually look like. Um, and how to facilitate these difficult conversations around race um, and discrimination. And so, you know, one of the things that we got into during our last session was just talking about the importance of stories and the importance of people, you know, sharing their story, sharing their perspective. And especially when you have people who, you know, like you say, you know, I'm a white guy. And, you know, some people may look at that and say, well, because I'm not black, because I'm not a person of color, because I'm not a woman, because I'm not gay or trans transgender or any of that, my voice really doesn't matter. Um, and so I wanted to talk today about, you know, what does it look like to really share your story and share your voice? Um, and how can you encourage people to do that? when they may feel like their their story and their voice really isn't it doesn't matter yeah no great great framing great lead-in um so you're that's that's exactly right um i think a lot of a lot of white folks or, or any dominant kind of narrative right you mentioned you know so i'm i'm a, a white cis straight man Right. I mean, if you, so if you look at those four kind of categories, I'm like, I've got a lot of compounding privilege. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when we look at who look at all the things you mentioned that's going on and we look at, you know, personally, but also professionally and, and who, who are the leaders who are you know, leading organizations who are highly visible in politics and, and other places. And, you know, there are a lot of people like me mm -hmm. and, you know, whether it's, these boilerplate uh, Black Lives Matter uh, statements from CEOs or from politicians, they're just not inspiring and they're not, um, you know, they're not, they're not moving the needle. They're not, they're not saying anything. And so I've, I've actually, because I've told my story so often um, and in so many different places and, and so many different links and, you know, all these things, I've actually used myself almost like as a, as a use case mm -hmm. <laughs> to, to kind of break, you know, break it down and, and heavily borrowed from so many other storytelling frameworks and storytellers and stuff to, to really come up with what I think is a, is a high level 
outline that people can can use um, to start thinking about not only how to do it but why it's important mm-hmm. so i'm happy to kind of you know walk us through that um, you know today yeah and and that's specifically one of the things that i i wanted to talk about is kind of give people a framework um, for how to do this in a way that is respectful um, of the situation and other people um, as a way that is not going to be perceived as as centering around them um, when you know in fact you know everybody's perspective and everybody's experience is important but there are certain periods in time when telling your story and sharing your voice it needs to be done in a way that does not take the focus from the issue at hand mm-hmm. you know your story and your voice should add to the narrative and the discussion and the conversations, not supplant it or, or really just kind of, you know, shift focus to only you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that in the work that I've been doing with a lot of, you know, leading and facilitating a lot of conversations around race and, um, and, you know, DEI, you know, people are just like, well, you know, you can see the, the life gets sucked out of a room. When you're having a conversation and one person or a couple of people start saying, well, you know, I haven't experienced this and I haven't seen this and, and this isn't what it really is. And, you know, and well, I don't think that way or I don't see that way. And and I'm like, it's not all about you. (laughs) Well, gosh, so many points I could touch on that you just shared. let's, Let's start with that last one. I think, part of the challenge for let's let's talk about racism or anti-racism just as one kind of you know uh thread so to speak i think for a lot of white people the reason you know the, like those examples you give they're they're funny because they're so they're so um, frequent but they're actually not you know we both know they're not really that funny because that's the whole point and i think those examples you gave illustrate that the reason white people in this case have a hard time telling stories about race because they they haven't for their whole life probably haven't ever thought about race or or even more specifically about themselves as having a race because whiteness as we know is like the default the norm so race is something that you know they have Mm -hmm. black people have a race you know asian people have a race but white people we're just we're just the default so we don't have a race. So then, so then when you, when you can break that down, I think as you, as you alluded to, I think more people are understanding that, that, that that's not true. Yeah. And that's the reckoning. Okay. Well, that's not true, but Oh, what do I do? Mm-hmm. And so I think the challenge is actually most people's most white people's stories about race are actually non stories. So what yeah. I mean by that is, the time when you didn't notice, uh, for example, that your whole high school swimming team was white people, mm-hmm. the time you didn't notice, uh, you know, your first job that there were, you know, no black people on the leadership team, the time you didn't notice, right? So things, when you're not thinking about it, you don't, you don't notice because mm-hmm. it doesn't impact you or you don't think it does. So now that this conversation's evolving and people are, it's like, oh, so that's, that's at the core of helping people, um, you know, collecting stories and finding stories um, is having them dig a little deeper into 
what are possible stories and widening that that container of what what a story might be and i think that is that that is a key point because when you mentioned that the story is actually that there's a non-story and you know because everybody's scrambling to i guess trying to manufacture or construct some way of connecting oh yes i had a black friend and they came over to my house all the time and you know and, and, you know, oh, I, you know, I was, I was on a team and there were, you know, black people on the team and, you know, and, oh, and it's like, no, it's perfectly yeah. okay for you to say, my story is that I have never had to recognize race. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that in and of itself is a story because it speaks to, you know, the circles that you're in, the situation, you know, the, the way the organizational structure was set up, um, the elements of privilege that you've had, which, you know, a side note to people who hear the word privilege and automatically get defensive, that does not mean that we look at you as having been born with a silver spoon in your mouth and life has not been hard for you. It means that there are certain things that you inherently do not have to think about and consider. Yep. So sidebar, back to the regular conversation. <laughs> Important sidebar, though. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, so is that, that whole thing that people don't understand that sometimes having a non-story is actually a huge part of the story. Mm -hmm. No, exactly. And maybe, so you brought up a good point. You know, a lot of people, because they're feeling, and I think appropriately, like, hey, I should be doing something. I think genuinely, hey, I should be talking more about this, especially people in leadership. They want to go right to the the end. So I'm, I want to I want to outline these kind of four steps mm -hmm. in in sharing your voice, or, or you know, um, looking looking at what your story might be from from understanding it. So I'll, I'll just do a high level. So number one is understanding, you know, what is a story? Like what is the story structure? What what makes a story? What is not? You know, some of those examples those aren't stories. What's the difference between a story and and uh, you know just information? Right. Right. So that's number one. Two is, is collecting them. So once you understand like, oh, here's what a story is, and, and we'll go into detail on all these in, in a minute, but then collecting them and kind of, you know, you call it a life map, but really just doing that deep reflection. And that's actually, I would argue, the more difficult part than actually telling them mm -hmm. is don't going and digging deeper with yourself. And, you know, maybe you need a coach, maybe you need a partner, maybe it's a, 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 a spouse or, you know, whoever, a, a parent right? To help collect all those stories now that you understand what a story is. And then it's crafting, mm -hmm. right? So how do you, how do you actually tell it in an impactful way to, you know, to your point earlier, that's not centering yourself. That's, you know, what is the point? Um, so it's really crafting it kind of behind the scenes, practicing it, you know, whether it's written or spoken. And then the final part is the telling, the actual mm -hmm. telling it. And so if you haven't done those first parts, like the inner work, and you just want to get up and, you know, oh, I have a team meeting, you know, tomorrow at one and I got to, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to tell a story. It's probably going to suck. <laughs> you know, because you, you haven't really done the work and you think, you think a story is something like, hey, everyone, you know, I know we're all, uh, you know, concerned about what's going on. And, you know, this, this one time, my first job out of college, I, you know, I had a black guy on my team and, you know, it was really hard for him. And, you know, it's like, and then you're like, what are you, what are you talking about? How is this right. relevant? Right. Cause you haven't really done the work, you know? And so that's where it can go, you know, can go really wrong. 
And you, and I think it's, it's, I love the fact that you talk about, it's not just about, you know, everybody wants to jump to the end and say, I want to tell, I want to share, but I, I love that you have to do this inner work of mm -hmm. reflection and you have to craft it and you have to, you really have to connect with it because mm -hmm. there are so many people who are able to just recount facts. Like you said, it's just information, but telling a story is a deeply personal connective exercise mm -hmm. where you are sharing something with yourself with other people in order for them to connect with you yeah is that a pretty good assessment very well said and i would add to that that connection builds trust mm -hmm. right so the vulnerability when you show empathy for for yourself and for uh, whoever else maybe is in your in your story, mm -hmm. you're at, you're showing empathy for your audience as well. Yeah. Right. So you're you're kind of letting them into your world that you know, and especially for you know senior leaders who are professional and you know, mm -hmm. and they're kind of kind of a little bit more uptight. Many of them aren't used to that in their day to day, um, and people want that. You know, I mean, think of all the bosses, you know, we've all had and like some, you're like, this guy, I mean, yeah, okay, he's nice enough and whatever, he, you know, treats me fine, but I don't really know him. Right. Right. And so you build that, that trust. So I think that maybe, maybe it makes sense to kind of go into a little detail. Yeah, I was going to say, step. let's, yeah. let's go through the steps and, and outline those because yeah. I want people to understand what you mean by each part in this, in the step, mm -hmm. um, in mm -hmm. the process. Um, and because we both know that um, whenever we start talking, we, we tend to go on and we're already like 15 minutes in. So. Yeah. This is good. I mean, it's good to have this, this framing, this context and these ideas to, to yeah. set, the, set the tone. So, so yeah, number one is understanding story structure, mm -hmm. right? So a story, it's pretty simple, right? There's a hero, you know, and then the hero faces a dilemma and then the hero you know, some, there's some decision that mm. he or she or they isn't sure what to do about and they're faced with a choice uh, and they make a choice and then the end of the story is whatever became after they made that choice, mm. right? So, I mean, look at any children's book, any movie, they're all, you know, they're all pretty much that same, same pattern. And there, of course, there are nuances and stuff, but for, for our sake, it's that. And so related to what we're talking about for sharing your voice, especially around like your anti-racist narrative or your really that dilemma, that dilemma part. If there's no dilemma, if there's no challenge, it's not a story. It's just mm -hmm. information. So you do have to make it about you in service of others, in service of your audience, in service of a bigger cause, in service of, um, you know, what's going on in the world right now. And so to do that, the challenge, and this is where people get kind of get, get caught up, is that dilemma is actually more of an, an internal dilemma instead of an external. Right. So, for example, you know, I used to think, um, you know, it's because I had so few friends, you know, uh, relationships with Black people when I was a kid, I never thought of them as fully, you know, as fully human people like me. Mm -hmm. So I missed out on their hand on their humanity. And then I was made aware through different 
experiences, different relationships, different conversations, different mistakes, that, wow, I'm actually missing out on so much humanity and connection and possibility by, by staying in my privilege and in my comfort zone. So that, that's the dilemma. And so I was faced with a choice. Do I, now that I know this is a dilemma, do I, do I, what do I do with it? Do I say, oh, well, it's too hard, so I'll just go back to normal? Right. Or do I say, no, I'm going to do the work. And so I've chosen to do the work. And so, you know, 25 years on from these early things, that's how I've lived my life. And it's been a much better life for me personally. And it's not about, oh, I have so many black friends now. It's about, I understand these issues and I can make a bigger impact in, in the world. And so understanding the, that this that's the story that dilemma and evolving your consciousness and you know that and the first thing that came to mind is that the dilemma is is the discomfort mm -hmm. the dilemma is when you're like okay if i do it the way i've always done it it'll be so much easier and i and won't safer. have to worry about it and it's safer and you know and i don't have to be uncomfortable but the dilemma and the discomfort is where the change is, where the growth is, mm -hmm. where the transformation is. That's where you begin to define the impact. Yeah, because you're curious, mm -hmm. because you have a conscience, and it's not about being a savior or collecting, you know, pins or you know, look at all the black people I know now. <laughs> right? It's it's about hey, I want to navigate this world in a more impactful, um, compassionate. Um, inclusive way. So, so once you understand that, like, that's what story structure is, right? Mm -hmm. Then you can, okay, all right, so how does that apply to me? So this is step two, is collecting those stories. All right, well, what are those stories where I used to think this, and then I learned, you know, this, and now I think this? Like, what are those stories? And this is where the non-stories kind of come into play. So this, this is where some people have a little bit of a hard time without a, without like a partner or a coach or someone. Cause they're like, I don't know. Okay. So yeah, I get the story structure. That makes sense, but I don't know. Right. And so it's really helping them like, okay, what was your childhood? Like what schools did you go to? What was your first job? What's what sports or activities or, you know, things did you do? And then you start to unpack and you're like, okay, so when you were at the, the swim club with your family, were there, what was, what was the, clientele like well yeah i guess there were just all white people okay so what kind of conversation did anyone talk about race no not really well one time right and then you start mm -hmm. to you start to uncover these stories and then you okay so what do you think about that well gosh i guess i never had until right now right and then right. so you start collecting these stories and then you, you know you write them down when i was three this happened when i was seven this happened when i was 10 you know this is and then so then you have this uh what's the word like this, I don't know if armory is the right word, but it's like this database of, mm -hmm. of stories, this cachet, right. Mm -hmm. To choose from. So that's the step. That's step two. Okay. Is having stories to, uh, to explore step three, how to craft them. Mm -hmm. So one of my, one of my main stories around race is um, I'll tell it, I'll tell it kind of chronologically um, and then I'll, I'll, we'll, wind, we'll kind of rewind and I'll tell it like in a more 
crafty, craft, crafted way. Okay. So um, I grew up with no, uh, almost no racial um, diversity in my life. No friends, no teachers, maybe a few, a teammate here and there from playing sports, but not really. And uh, my dad moved to San Francisco, which was much more diverse. So I started to, you know, see a few people when I'd come up in high school and college. I played college sports. Um, I was a lacrosse player. I don't know if you know anything about lacrosse, but it's like 110% white, you know? So that was my world. I was the party at college athlete. And then a few years out of college, um, I, I was on a bus in San Francisco, the 19 Polk bus, and I got on the uh, bus and I was coming back from a bookstore. My dad had said, hey, go up to this bookstore. Can you get me a book and you know, check it out? And so I go and I, he said, you should read Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison. I said, okay. I'm like 23, 24. Like I probably read like 20 books total in my life. You know, like I wasn't a reader. So I, I have the book and I'm coming back on the bus and it's kind of an empty bus. It's like Thursday night at nine, you know, mm-hmm. and this black man gets on the bus, right? And he, and he sits right next to me, which was kind of weird. I wasn't afraid, but it was like, dude, there's this whole bus. Like, why are you sitting right next to me? And it turned out that he actually, he saw Invisible Man mm-hmm. on the top of my stack of books and he wanted to talk about it. So I had this conversation with him. Mm-hmm for like 10 minutes about books, about San Francisco. He was from Harlem. That book changed my life. Oh, my dad said I should read. Oh, your dad's a smart man, but mm-hmm. all these things. And so that was like, that was a story that kind of made me realize because I'd never really had an intellectual conversation with a black person and I'm 24 years old. So, so that's the chronological. So from that story, it's like, okay, that, that, that's, I can see that. But if I craft it, right, I don't tell all the backstory first, right? I just, I parachute in. I don't know if you heard that phrase. You just parachute in, right? So I'm on the bus. I'm on the 19 Polk bus. And I've got a stack of books that I just got from the bookstore. On top is Invisible Man. Going through the Tenderloin, which is a rough part of town in San Francisco. A black man gets on the bus and he sits right next to me. And I'm wondering why. And he looks at, he says, that's a great book. It changed my life. I said, oh, my dad suggested I read it. Your dad's a smart man. And we talk for about 10 minutes and I get off the bus. He gets off. I get off a few stops later and I'm on this high. Just had this great conversation about books and philosophy and race and Harlem and San Francisco and all these things. And I go back to my dad and I'm telling him, he's like, Oh, I see you got the book. I said, yeah, it's great. And I, I met this guy and he was really cool and blah, blah, blah. And I could tell my dad was really almost proud of me. Like he, he like he had, he had had some hand in setting this up, like some mastery behind it. Like I'm going to have my son get on a bus and talk to a black man about invisible man. And then at the end of the conversation or the end of the telling of my story, I say, yeah, you know, and he was actually, really smart Mm. and then i saw my dad's enthusiasm his smile drop a little bit and i i even at some level realized that i still had so much more to learn and so the takeaway from that story is that because i had had so little interaction with black people 
but I was eager and I had this great conversation, I still saw it as an anomaly, yeah. as an exceptional thing, right? So I guess I kind of combined three, which is crafting, and four, which is telling. Yeah. So where, like, where would I tell that story? I might tell it at the beginning of a, of a meeting. Um, hey, team, we're going to talk about, you know, we have some things to talk about and just parachute in and start that to show vulnerability, to show, to model that public, you know, connection, trust, some of the things we've talked about. I might, I might craft it where I tell it in, you know, a minute instead of however long it took me, three or four minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I might expand it into a keynote that takes me 30, 45 minutes mm-hmm. and break it down and have slides and, and have Q&A, right? But the structure, back to, you know, the first part is, you know, I used to think this, mm-hmm. this happened, I had this dilemma. Mm-hmm. And now that I realized that I made this mistake and then I wasn't, what am I going to do with it? Oh, it was nothing. Okay. Yeah. I shouldn't have said that, but no big deal. Mm-hmm. No, I chose to say, you know what? I'm going to learn from this and do my work. And that was 20, 23, 24 years ago. But see, that, that's the power of the reflection, the self-reflection and really understanding and identifying the dilemma and and then that next part about making a decision about what do you do with that you know because mm-hmm. you said you could have easily just dismissed it but that one little new that one little thing that you said at the end yeah and he was actually really smart and it's like wait what <laughs> but right. but you but you and 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 i think so many times when people are sharing their voice and they're, and they're looking honestly at their stories, they can find so many commonalities in terms of opportunities for learning and for self-growth um, and for understanding and building connection. Um, because at our core, we all go through the same process as people. Yep. And I think that sharing our voice and sharing those stories, even though they may be non-stories, um, even though there may be stories that don't paint us in a completely favorable light, I think those are the ones that you more so connect with people and see the humanness mm-hmm. of us all, um, mm-hmm. which then enables us to start doing, you know, continue to do that difficult, deep work of change. Yeah. Exactly. Because if, if I had, if I had chosen a different story that showed me in a more favorable light, it's not really a story. It's just something that happened. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, there are three elements kind of traits to a story. It's, it's truth. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're going to, I got to tell the truth. So I could have told that story differently where it didn't make me look like an ass. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can say that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't you know. for kids. We're good. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, where it didn't make me look bad. So, um, but that wouldn't be the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, there's empathy, right? So I have empathy for myself. I have empathy for, you know, that man who, you know, of course I've never seen again. I never will um, for my dad and for the audience. Mm-hmm. Right. And 
then the last thing, which is so huge, which, you know, we're not seeing enough of is vulnerability. So yes. by, by showing, yeah, like this actually happened to me, mm-hmm. like cringeworthy thing, that's vulnerable. And then if I'm listening to it, if I'm on, you know, if you're on my team or you're one of my colleagues or you're in the audience, I'm giving, you know, whatever the relationship is and you go, wow, here's this guy. We just hired him as a speaker to talk about, you know, racial justice and he did that. Yeah. Okay. Right. So it gives people permission to explore. Um, and that's, you know, when we're just wrapping it into this theme of sharing your voice, that's what's important for people to share their voices of their evolution of consciousness mm-hmm. so that people who are maybe are earlier on their journey or haven't thought of this can see that and go, oh, that's okay. Yeah, I have stories like that. Okay, yeah. Let me think. Okay, yeah. All right, it's okay. You can't change your past, but you can change your relationship to it and you can yeah. you can you can improve it. You know, you can improve your future. So and that that's the key part is giving people permission to be vulnerable, to share, to identify the places where they're not, you know, a hero in terms of being the best thing ever. Um but really inviting people in. And I think that with the, with the times that we're living in right now, you know, COVID has, COVID-19 has completely shifted the way that we work in a lot of cases. Um, for most companies that have gone, you know, 100% virtual, um, people are now with, with Zoom, you are now in, invited into people's homes mm-hmm. um, and you're able to see, you know, oh, well, this is what it's like for them. Um, there's no, and, and you know, I've, I've had conversations where people are like, you know, I feel exposed because this perfectly crafted facade and image <laughs> that I had when I show up at work does not match the chaos and what's going on at my house. And yeah. so, you know, there are people who have had to really take a hard look at themselves and to say, you know, what is it about you and, and your past and your story that makes you so adamant about having to look like you're perfect and you have it all together? Exactly. You know? Exactly. And, and I think this whole thing is something that, you know, when you really look at the value um, and the importance of, of sharing your voice and sharing your story and doing that deep work, the deep internal work of, of really reflecting on, you know, what has happened and, and, and understanding how to tell it and communicate it in a way that connects with other people and allows you to be vulnerable. I think that is really where people are able to see the possibility of creating new ways of connecting with people, new ways of understanding, you know, really great dialogue about race and and discrimination and how to be anti-racist and how to connect with people of of different backgrounds. And and I think that is what we're really striving for when we're talking about diversity and equity and including and belonging, where you really belong because you can connect with other people and you, and you get it. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think if more people in positions of power and visibility and influence told stories like we're talking about, 90, I don't know what the numbers are, 95% of this would, would 
be so diminished mm-hmm. um, and all the all the actions that that people want to do would not be as urgent because yeah. of what you said there'd be more connection there'd be more humility there'd be more vulnerability there'd be more trust mm-hmm. and so it's both challenging and frustrating my work with with leaders trying to get them to understand why storytelling isn't just a nice to have right it's it's actually key to your personal leadership and whatever organization you're running and your people and especially if you're super high visibility how 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 the world the public sees you because mm-hmm. it really does shift um, but the challenge is most people don't they don't want to do it yeah i want to stay in my perfect little bubble <laughs> i'm a pro- i'm professional i'm an engineer i'm in sales i'm you know like they don't want to they don't want to go there. Yeah. So. Well, I, once again, thank you so much for, for sharing this. This is, this has been awesome. Um, tell people how they can get in touch with you because I know that for some people just thinking about it and hearing about this for the first time, they're like, I don't want to do this by myself. So <laughs> you don't have to, you can call Jerry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's interesting. It's not ready yet, but I'm hoping in the next you know couple of weeks, I'm actually I do this work, this, you know, basically what I walked you through, I do one-on-one coaching with people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I want to, I'm in the process of codifying it and, and putting it into a course where I um, probably start with an in-person and then, and then get it online. So hopefully in the next couple months, like everything we've talked about will be available, widely available. But until then, um, people can reach me at my website is the best place, uh, jaredcarroll.com. That's J-A-R-E-D-K. AROL.com. Um, you can learn a little bit more about what I do. And then social media, I'm really active on LinkedIn um, is, is the best place. So just um, search for me there on, on LinkedIn and connect with me. And I'm happy to have a deeper conversation with anyone who's interested. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me once again. Um, I, I truly appreciate the conversation and, and the insights that you've shared. And to my listeners, I hope this has been helpful for you in, in helping you to identify ways to shift your mindset so that you can master your success. I am your host, Keisha A. Rivers, President and Chief Outcome Facilitator of the Cars Group. You've been listening to Mindset to Mastery, the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, visit my website at carsgroup.com. That's K-A-R-S group.com for more about Jared, more about my company and what we do and ways in which we can connect so that we can help you to achieve the success that you so desperately want and deserve in life. Until next time, stay safe, stay sane, and stay sanitized. Bye-bye, everybody.